Hi, welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom podcast, where every mom can find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. You'll hear interviews with all kinds of moms who are learning how to navigate motherhood. Most of all, you'll learn that you have a partner in motherhood, a loving Heavenly Father who wants you to succeed and is always there to help you in your most important work as a mother. And now, here's your host, my mom, Dara Trendler. Welcome to episode 47 of the Spiritually Minded Mom podcast. This is Darla, and I'm so glad that you're here. We just spent the last five weeks having a series of podcast episodes, mostly mostly with just me, talking about five different ways that we can be more spiritually minded, and I have loved doing those episodes. But I'm also really excited to get back to doing some interviews, and I have a great interview for you today with Melinda Peterson. And you're going to hear more about her story as we get into it. But one aspect of that story is it is her suffering with postpartum depression and how she dealt with that. And she shares a big part of that in the episode, in the interview that I'm about to share with you. So we recorded the interview and a couple of days later, she emailed me and she felt like she wanted to clarify a few things that she talked about with depression. She and I both feel the same way. We we know that depression is a real thing. It is a hard thing. It's different for everyone. And it's not something that we want to take lightly. And so what she did was she emailed me a paragraph kind of just explaining a little bit more about her story. And you'll hear in the interview, she talks about breadcrumbs and how God gave her breadcrumbs to lead her and help her through a really dark time um, with dealing with depression. And so I just want to read you this little paragraph um, that she sent me before we dive into the interview. So you'll have some context and understand when she talks about her depression um, in the interview. So here are Melinda's words. Sometimes when you're in the thick of depression, it is hard, if not impossible, to feel the spirit. It is hard to hear from someone else that Christ healed them or that reading the Book of Mormon brought about their healing. I get that. When you're struggling for breath every day, you just want to breathe. You start to question whether God sees you or cares about your fight for life. Following the breadcrumbs is my way of saying that Christ is revealing before you your path to healing. That path might include therapy. It might include medication. It might include help at home or a specific diet or supplements or exercise or spending time in nature or more intensive treatment or something entirely out of the blue. Everybody's path is going to look different. But Christ is always a source of healing and will always direct you to your specific path. It has been said that time heals all wounds, but I believe that because of who he is and what he accomplished for us, Jesus Christ heals all wounds. But it takes time. From my experience, the path to healing is never an easy one. In fact, I can almost guarantee you that it will be really hard and really demanding. But if you keep picking up breadcrumbs, if you keep acting on any idea that could lead to healing, you will find it. Always. Because that is the kind of God he is. He is a deliverer. Reading the scriptures opened up a conduit of light that allowed me glimpses of my Savior. And the credit for my healing goes to him. Because he placed the breadcrumbs for me to pick up. And then he strengthened me as I put into action what was required of me. As I searched for him, I found him. And as I found him, he literally helped me find myself. I know that he will do that for anyone who fights to come to him. In Exodus 14, 14, it says, The Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Believe that he is fighting for you, and then pick up another breadcrumb. I love Melinda's words, and as you listen to the interview, they'll make a little bit more sense, and you'll understand what she's talking about when she says the breadcrumbs. We, like I said before, we did not want to take anything about depression lightly. If you're someone that suffers from it, I think that you'll find a lot of hope in Melinda's words and in her story. 
and it's not a perfect story. You know, nothing is perfect. We all are on our own journey, but I think that you will find some hope and some light in what Melinda shares. So here is my interview with Melinda Peterson. Welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom podcast. I am so excited today to have a wonderful guest. Her name is Melinda Peterson, and she and her husband have four kids, ages 10, 8, 4, and 2. And in their 12 years of marriage, they have moved a lot. In fact, each of her kids have been born in a different state. Melinda is also an author, and she's currently working on getting a middle grade novel published in the, in the coming year. And I am really excited to talk to her about her motherhood story. So welcome to the podcast, Melinda. Thank you so much, Darla. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I am really glad to connect with you. I love your Instagram account and the things that you share are so positive and uplifting. So I'm excited to dive in a little bit more and talk about your motherhood story. So just to start off, tell us what you love about being a mother. I, I love everything. I love everything about being a mom. Um, that's not to say that everything is easy, um, but I love finding beauty in the hard things. And I think that motherhood has been hard. It is hard. It's one of the hardest things that I've done. I was just sitting over the table over dinner with my family tonight. And as the kids kind of rushed off, my husband and I just were left at the table. And I was just telling him, this is so hard, (laughs) so hard. But um, so I I think that I'm, I'm keenly aware of the hard. And so I like to try and find the beauty. And that is a lot of what I write about on Instagram is finding the beauty in the hard. Um, but with that, I love watching my children learn and grow and just experience life. I love being the one that my children crawl into bed with, um, in the morning, um, or when they're scared at night or if they just wake up, um, and need me. Um, I love just the little things like holding hands to run into the, into target, you know, in the parking lot. And, um, I love listening to my daughter, you know, practicing the piano and listening to that same refrain over and over and over again. Um, I just try and find the beauty in, in those little moments and um, jumping in puddles and just the little, little things, because I think that there are a lot of big challenges in life and in the world. And I think that there is so much beauty when you just stop and see the little things that um, it was just tonight as I was tucking my, uh, my four-year-old into bed. She was crazy. She was crazy all day, just bouncing off the walls. And I was ready for her to go to bed. And all of a sudden, as I was just kneeling by her bed, um, tucking her in, she just stopped and she put her hand on my face. And I just, I felt her little hand on my face and it just filled my heart with so much joy and gratitude for her. And, um, I guess that is kind of how I try to, um, get through the days of, of motherhood because they're challenging, but there's so much beauty in them. I love how you can use the word beauty and hard in the same sentence. You know, you're looking at, I think a lot of times we think of motherhood as these big things, but really it's the small mundane things. So if we can find beauty there in that every, in the dishes and, you know, in splashing in a mud puddle and you're tucking our kids in at night, you know, that's, that's great. But there's also beauty in the hard things. I, I, you said that several times. So I know that one of the hard things that you faced was you had a child that was nonverbal and very hard to understand until they were five or six. So that's a difficult challenge. And how did you find beauty in that? 
Yeah, I look back on that time of life and it, um, it, I look back on it and I, I just see nothing but beauty and good times, but it, it was one of, it was a challenge, um, particularly, uh, that chapter with my, my son, um, we started noticing when he was two that he was not producing, it just wasn't on the normal, you know, that line, the developing line for speech. And as he got older, you know, two and a half came, rolled along and he really wasn't um, really even trying to speak. He was, the way that he was trying, attempting to speak was very guttural, um, involved a lot of um, gestures and pointing and, um, and just then a lot of just, um, yeah, guttural kind of noises. So by the time he was three, there were only 30 words that he, he said, and they weren't, I'm not talking like words that you could understand. They were words that we, um, they were words to us because we knew what he was trying to say when he made that sound. Um, one of the, the beautiful things that happened during that time was I, we were we were in the process of moving when we realized that uh, he needed help. He needed to be evaluated. Uh, but we were living in California and we were moving to New York and there was, um, yeah, just time ahead of us. We weren't moving right then. There was some time ahead of us and not enough time to be evaluated. And, um, so I was really struggling, like he's not speaking and I don't know what to do to help him. Um, so I, I get on Google, right, and I start Googling um, just anything I can think of to trying to s describe what I'm experiencing. And I came across the website for childhood apraxia of speech, and it was just like this like light went off. Just I felt it in my body, just like this really strong like lightning bolt in my body. And I knew that that was the Spirit, that was God telling me that, that is what my son had. And it was so helpful just to have that in my back pocket during that transition time to know that um, that was what he had. That's what we were dealing with. And it made it great when we started evaluating to just bring that right up to the, the person doing the evaluation and, um, and just to get the ball rolling right away so that when he could receive treatment, it was for the right thing and they weren't trying to, to figure it out necessarily. Um, one of the other things that I remember from that time is I felt like the Lord blessed me with this sixth sense for what he was doing at all times, um, what he was experiencing at all times. We lived in just a small little apartment. We were in grad school. And um, so it wasn't like, it wasn't like he was far, you know, from me, but I don't know how to explain it. It was just like, because communicating was so difficult for him, um, I knowing the context of his days was so important for me so that I could um, guess, I could make better guesses as to what he was trying to tell me. And I felt like I had this amazing sense for him during that time that I, is, has since been removed. It's not, um, not really there anymore. We all have that sixth sense as a parent, of course, but this was something um, that was more unique to that period of time that really helped me to um, just be in tune with him and to um, be able to um, communicate with him. Um, 
but yeah, it was, it was challenging. There were, there was a lot of frustration. There is a lot of frustration that comes along with, um, apraxia for these little guys because they have so much to say and so much they want to communicate. And, um, they're just literally unable to, to do that orally, vocally. And so, um, the way that it manifested in my son is just a lot of um, silence and frustration when he, and pulling away when he would get, you know, when I wouldn't guess right or when I wouldn't get it. So we learned some techniques, like I would ask him, um, can you tell me a different way or is there another way of saying that? Or I hear you say this, can you say it in a different way? Um, and hearing, you know, having him hear me say, you know, having him hear me say what I'm hearing. Uh, that was that was really helpful, I think, to him. And um, the other the other thing is, I I really felt like the Lord. I, I felt like this was a specific trial that was tailor made for my son, um, that would prepare him for his mission on the earth. And um, you you have to know him to to fully appreciate this particular challenge for him because he is a talker. He loves to talk. He talks all day long about the most interesting things. Um, he's always thinking. He's always telling me what he's thinking. And um, it's like he's just catching up on years of not being able to communicate that. And um, it's just such a beautiful thing that the Lord gives us challenges that um, are really, um, they always make us stronger and they always prepare us. I believe they really do prepare us for um, our mission on the earth. I, I think this is so beautiful. Like, I hope I can express what I'm thinking in my mind. Okay. So I'm probably better than the way no, I did. No, that was, that was so great because first of all, you're recognizing in the moment that this, this is beautiful and you're seeing God and his hand guiding you. And I love that you talked about, you kind of got a sixth sense, right? The spirit, guiding you, helping you know what was going on in your son's head, you know, what he needed because he couldn't verbally tell you that. And that's something that every mom has. We all have that yeah. gift. We all have a, you can call it a sixth sense, you know, the spirit, a mother's intuition, whatever you want to call it, but God can give that to any mom. And yes. all of our children have challenges. You know, this was the particular challenge that your son had. And it was very, um, outward and very noticeable and, you know, right there. But, but look what we can learn from that. You know, I, I have a teenager that I need to figure out what's in his head because he's right, not going to tell right, me, you know, right. or there's so many, you know, you might not, you you see your child struggling, but you don't know what it is, but the spirit can, can teach us that every mom can have what you had. Yes. Yes. He's so willing to, to help us crack it open, you know, find a way to be able to reach our children. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. and so I think, I think that's great. And I, and you sharing that I'm, I, who knows what all of the reasons that, that God, you know, put that challenge in his path, but here's one, one right here that you can share that with another mother and they may, we don't all have to have the same exact challenge with our children, but we all have God to go back to. Yes. And yes. we all have the ability to fill his spirit and to, and to know from him who created our, us, created our children, knows them better than we do, what they need. I know. I often in prayer, when I'm having a hard time, <clears throat> excuse me, when I'm having a hard time, I often 
pray to him. He's your child. (laughs) Please tell me, tell me what to do. (laughs) Yeah. And he will, he cares. And, you know, we just have to go to him and ask and he, he will be there. And and it may not show up the same for all of us, you know, like the way that he did it for you might not be the same way he will do it for me, but, but it will, it will show up for sure. So along those same lines about, you know, having a relationship with God and, and knowing how he speaks to you. Another thing that you told me when we were prepping for the interview was that you have experienced postpartum depression, which lots of people can relate to. And you even, you know, mentioned that it was one of the darkest times of your life. But another thing that you like the finding beauty in the heart, you told me something else that I really loved. You said that you were following the breadcrumbs that God placed before you during that whole trial. So I would love to know more what that means. How, how did you get out of that dark time and what were the breadcrumbs that God was putting in front of you? Uh, thanks for asking that. Um, this is really close to my heart because it is so recent and even I don't feel like I am completely all the way out of it. And so it's still very, uh, close to the surface and raw for me. Um, excuse me, following the breadcrumbs to me just means to live in personal revelation daily, all the time. Um, so we think as we, um, partake of the sacrament, we, we say that we, um, or the promise to us is that the spirit will always be with him. Or as we partake of the sacrament, we, we are asked to always remember him. And that's something I've really been thinking a lot about, um, recently how, um, I believe that our heavenly father is, is a, a God of now. I think that he is a visionary God and a God of repentance. Um, but he asks us to, um, doubt not and to fear not. I think that doubt and fear get in the way of, of living in, in faith and in, and in, um, personal revelation daily. And I guess what I mean by being a God of now is I believe that God gives us the answers that we need in the moment that we need them. And so following the breadcrumbs for me means that he's giving us answers, little answers along the way, and we have to pick them up and keep following the path forward in order to to stay close to him, in order to act on what he gives us. Um, I think oftentimes we're waiting for the sea, you know, the Red Sea to part, some big miraculous deliverance. And I know that in the beginning of when I when I first realized that I was, um, dealing with postpartum depression, that was what I wanted. I, as I wanted the seat apart and for me to be delivered. And I knew that I, and I know that Jesus Christ is a God of deliverance. But what I didn't anticipate was that the answer for me to get through my postpartum depression was going to be small things. So some of those breadcrumbs were, uh, simple, really simple things. There were some supplements that um, somebody I'm close to recommended that I got on, and those helped a lot to lift some of the fog that I was experiencing and helped me to access some happiness again and to be functioning again. During that time when it was really bad, I just remember either laying on my bed <laughs> amidst a pile of laundry, usually. Or sitting on my couch and just looking out the window or reading, praying, 
And I was uh, so overwhelmed by life, so overwhelmed by the dishes, <laughs> those darn dishes. <laughs> <laughs> they keep coming up. Um, yeah, but making dinner, I was just so overwhelmed um, that I wasn't functioning. And um, those supplements helped. Um, another thing was that before President Nelson had become the prophet, um, he had given a fireside to the young adults and had challenged them to um, read the standard works or to um, to study the topical guide of the Savior and to search the standard works for all of the references to Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so I had already started that earlier um, in the year and had already gotten through the Doctrine and Covenants and my plan and Pearl of Great Price and my plan was to go to the Old Testament, but the Spirit um, just whispered, little breadcrumb, to go to the Book of Mormon. And so I got a, a little copy of the Book of Mormon and I just uh, grabbed a highlighter and I started reading the Book of Mormon and highlighting every reference to Jesus Christ. And that was really impactful for me um, to find the Savior over and over again during that time. (laughs) I'm going to get emotional. It was a time of such great darkness, and Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And every time I would find Him in the Scriptures, I would feel more light in my day. It didn't make everything go away, but it was the light that was getting me through each day. And I finished, I'm trying to remember the timeline here. I finished that earlier in the year. And then later on, just a few months after I'd finished it was when general conference was in October and um, president Nelson asked us to do uh, basically the same thing again, the woman in the church. And so I picked up another copy of the book of Mormon and I did it again. And um, reading the book of Mormon so fast uh, twice in a row, looking for Jesus Christ each time was, well, in President Nelson's address, he promised miracles. And I would say that um, within a month of starting the Book of Mormon over again, I experienced a great miracle of of healing. It was not like a complete healing. I, I still struggle a little bit, but it was a significant burden of the postpartum depression was lifted. So I would say that the Book of Mormon was was a huge breadcrumb <laughs> that he placed in my path. There were other breadcrumbs, though. I, I um, was prompted to start a little group of, of, well, just with two of my friends here, and we would get together just twice a month, and we would take a talk either from conference or a BYU address and um, just discuss it. And that was that was a huge strength to me during that time. And then there was therapy, and lucky enough to just come across a good therapist the very first time that she made a huge, she just sat and listened (laughs) and validated. And she was so wonderful. And I looked forward to seeing her and I, I left feeling, well, a lot of different emotions after I left, but therapy was another really wonderful breadcrumb that I picked up along the way. And then there were, you know, the, the things that we, you know, when you're depressed and you're looking for treatment, right? The just getting exercise, getting out in the sun, those, those things. Um, yeah, I think that they were each breadcrumbs. So I, I guess that basically anything that was good, any idea that I had, I took it from the spirit and I took it, um, to be a breadcrumb, anything that might be remotely helpful. I acted on, um, I was so desperate to get better. And I remember learning that, action is the antidote that I needed to not just read books, 
and pray. I needed, and praying is action as well, but I needed to act. Um, I needed to act on whatever good thing came to my mind, uh, which is hard. <laughs> it's hard when you're depressed yeah. to act. I think that that's the beauty of the breadcrumbs is it's just, sometimes it's just small things that, that you have to do. And, um, it's interesting just going back to my son too. It, it's just like, I've watched him and he's still in speech therapy and it has been as a, just an accumulation of small sessions, right. And small mm-hmm. acts for him, for uh, so a person with depra- apraxia has to literally practice intentionally practice every single combination of movements that your lips and your tongue, your palate have to make in your mouth in order to produce speech. They have to intentionally practice it over and over and over and over again, uh, where we just kind of take it for granted. And I think that, yeah, just going back to that, it's just like that with my depression. I've had to do little things um, over and over and over again um, in order to just make it, you know, one taking one day at a time and looking back on it again, I'm going to say like looking back on it, I can see the beauty in it. I can see, I look back on these last two years that I've been struggling with it. And I see, I see myself sitting on a couch, but I see, I see God right there with me. I do. And I think that that's the beauty of it is in the moment and there were, I mean, there were moments definitely that I did not feel, I did not feel that he was present. So there were moments of a lot of anger, in fact. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember this one day that I was so frustrated. Where are you? Where are you? And I had my curling iron on my bed and I just chucked it across my room. And it landed in the in the wall and it was sticking out of the wall. And I was like, <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> But you know what? The next day, the next day was um, I talked to somebody who who helped me a tremendous a tremendous amount, and it was it was another breadcrumb. And I I think that being honest with God, you know, about how we're feeling and what we're thinking, He is He's listening, and He is He's giving us breadcrumbs, even if we even if we want, you know, the, the red seed apart. I love I love everything that you said. You know, it's so amazing that you can look back and see God there and that you're so honest that, you know, you didn't always feel that. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, if there's someone out there who is in that darkness, I mean, you described it as darkness yes. and maybe they're not seeing the light. You know, you, I think you would tell them, look for the breadcrumbs, right? And when, when I think about, as you were talking, I'm thinking about breadcrumbs. I mean, a cr- it's a crumb. It's, it's a crumb. very, very small. It's not, it's not huge. And you don't have to have anything huge to start making progress and to start seeing God and for that darkness to start going away and for the light to come in. It won't, it doesn't take parting the Red Sea. You know, it doesn't, it right. doesn't take that. That's why he doesn't need to do that. Right. It, it's, it's very small things. And so, so what would you say to that person who, who's where you've been? You know, they're sitting in darkness. I would say, hold on. I know. I know if people keep saying it will get better. And I, I held on to that. I mean, I, I had a lot to hold on for. I had a lot, I had a lot to hold on for. I had four little children. I have a wonderful husband. I have a beautiful life and beautiful does not mean easy. It doesn't mean perfect. It means hard to me in some ways, you know, 
I would say look for the breadcrumbs. They're small. They're small. You have to look for them. You have to you have to keep an eye out for them. I think that that's part of living in personal revelation is you you have to be looking and listening and um, willing to act, willing to act. Yeah. But Jesus Christ is the bread. He is the bread of life. And I I would not have I I can't honestly say that I would have gotten through it without him. Uh, remembering too, remembering what I I it was like I knew logically that he was there because I I had a testimony of him and so I wasn't ever like I mean there were times like I know you're there so why are you not like where are where are you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so writing writing down referring to to journals yeah I would I would say I would say just hold on look for the breadcrumbs look for the light look for Jesus Christ is is the bread of life he is the light of the world so look for him and you'll find yourself that's so great and it and it it doesn't take much it 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 takes little things and I love what you yeah. said about acting cuz that's something that I've talked a lot about. By the time yeah. this podcast airs, I will have aired a podcast about acting. Oh, wonderful. Um, so it's something that's on my mind. And and what I've learned about acting is exactly what you said. It doesn't take us doing huge, great things. If if he tells us the simplest thing and we do it, then he gives us more and he gives us more and he builds upon that. Yes. But but we have to do something. We We can't just sit there and, you know. we have to give him something to work with, right? We have to show him that we're going to do something. And, and I don't want people to be overwhelmed by that because really, I mean, acting could be, I'm going to get up and get dressed today. Yes, exactly. That's what I was going to say. Sometimes acting when you're in depression is just staying here on the earth, just being here. Yeah. Right. Just giving it another day. The message that you share that it's about Jesus Christ is hopeful. Like we can have hope through him. Yes. For yes. sure. It's our hope. I, I've never understood hope until I had depression. And that's another beautiful thing is I have so much empathy and understanding right. for what depression is. And I understand gospel principles like hope and, and grace in ways that I have never even cracked open before. So I'm grateful for that. So with your relationship with the Savior, I know, I know one of the things you told me was that you've learned to accept yourself. And what what has that taught you about your relationship with Jesus Christ, coming to know who you are and accepting yourself? One thing that the depression really pressured me to do was to accept accept all of me. I remember sitting down one day and just I opened up my a note in my phone and I just started writing adjectives about myself. Um, so I wrote down, "I'm kind," "I'm smart," "I'm sarcastic," "I'm." disobedient. Sometimes I, you know, I, any, not just the good things. I wrote down any adjective that came to my mind and it was not in the light, in light of like, look how terrible I am. It was just this honest exercise of looking at all of me and kind of looking at the duality of me, how I can be kind, but I can sometimes be cruel, even if it's Mm -hmm. not intentional. I can be cruel sometimes and uh, withhold affection or withhold approval. So I guess when I think about accepting all of me, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm saying is I accept, I look at myself honestly and where I'm at. And when you, when you do an exercise like that, and you're really brutally honest <laughs> with yourself, you, 
you have uh, this choice you get to make at the end of it is what are you going to do with that? Are you going to continue to or start to or decide to loathe yourself? Or are you going to finally love yourself? Just embrace who you are and and love yourself. When I finally sat down and, and did that... It was like I had I had no choice but to accept all of me. It wasn't it wasn't really until I did that that I realized how much love Jesus Christ and my heavenly Father have for me and have for others. So I think that you know I see other people and I it it's almost easier to see other people's flaws than our own, right? Um, and there are so many you know people that I love and adore and admire and. Um, I just look, I glance over their flaws, you know, I just see the good. And I was choosing to see the flaws in myself and not see the good as much, or to not give it as much credit, because I was seeing, you know, all the flaws or the bad with it. It wasn't until I I really loved my just chose to just, you know, this is who I am. And I'm going to choose to love myself that I, I realized that that is what, you know, that is when you let the Lord in is when you allow yourself to see yourself as broken. And he is the answer uh, to, to help you to make you whole. I recently learned that the term beloved means to love fully. So when we hear that we are beloved of God, when we're beloved of God, it means that he loves us, all of us right now, where we are. um, He's not waiting for us to be something different. He is loving us right now. And uh, I think that he wants us to do the same. And I, I, the other, the other thing that really was that once I, I loved all of myself, when I decided to love all of myself and uh, love myself with the savior as well, I, I started loving people that I was having a hard time loving. Mm. I started, um, seeing them more completely, um, because I was accepting my flaws, I was finally able to accept other people's flaws and to give them compassion for their humanness. And, and that has, has really increased my capacity to love others by loving myself. It seems counterintuitive, you know, that we shouldn't love ourselves so much, right? But really, when we really love ourselves with our weaknesses, as well as our strengths, we're our capacity to love others grows exponentially. Yeah, I love I love what you said about loving your whole self and you know not just picking and choosing because we can love our whole selves. And then how does that you know when we're not loving ourselves, how does that affect our relationship with the person that created us? I mean, our yes. creator. We're saying, "Well, we don't really like what you did here." I mean, that's basically right. what we're saying, right? And so when we can accept our whole self, everything then, then we can have so much of a better relationship with him. And, and I love how it's helped you in your relationships with other people. And it just, it, it's all about love, right? It's about loving ourselves, right? loving the savior. Yes. And it was like denying, denying what the savior did for me um, right. and coming down to earth and atoning for my sins. Like it was, it was when I, I realized like I am this way and that is why the savior came is so that I can be imperfect, but so that I can make choices and I can make mistakes. And by not 
loving myself fully. It was like I was denying his love for me that put him in the position that he he was in to atone for all of mankind. And I think that that is the beautiful thing is that I don't, I don't, it's not like I'm giving myself a pass on my imperfections. It's just that I am recognizing more fully that Christ is, I can't, I can't do this without him. One of the things that I learned on this journey is to literally in prayer, give him my sorrows. And it, it's become this exercise of visualizations, a visualization where I, I literally, I, I picture my savior in the garden of Gethsemane. And I, I remember doing this just a couple weeks ago. I was really angry. I had a lot of anger and I was praying to Heavenly Father. I'm just so angry and I want the anger to go away. And I've been struggling with this for so long and I just don't want to feel this way anymore. And all of a sudden, it just occurred to me, sure, it was the Spirit prompting me to give it to Him. And so I mm-hmm. stopped, and I I was so overcome with emotion that I was giving something so ugly and so painful to my Savior. Like, it just really struck me that that is what was so excruciating for Him in the garden, was He was literally taking it from us. He was taking it from from us, experiencing it for us, these ugly, ugly things, you know, the, the trauma that we experience, the pain that we feel, the fear that we feel. It's like, I felt like I was transferring it from me to him in this, in that moment. And it was like, I could just see in my mind's eye that he was there taking it for me so willingly and so graciously. And, um, I was so overcome that that is what he did. That is what he did was take upon him literally, not just our sins, but our sorrows and our pains and our anger and our Mm -hmm. trauma, all of those things. If we, if we don't accept that, if we don't really accept that ugly part of ourselves, we're, we're denying, um, ourselves the true understanding of what the Savior really has done for us and how personal it really is, how real it really, really, truly is. Yeah. So I love that. I've I've had similar experiences with thinking about burdens and the Savior. And just recently, I keep thinking of Matthew 11, where he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And, you know, we have, we all have burdens. But when mm-hmm. we cast them to him, when we take our imperfections and give them to him, it'll, it'll be light for us. Like I try to visualize him physically, like taking those off my shoulders yeah. and giving them to him. Like you said, you know, we can do that. We can, we can do that. Yeah. And not like, not so much in the spirit of like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But just yeah. like, it's really, he just wants us to be grateful. Like, I think that that's the spirit we we can do it in is mm-hmm. thank you thank you so yes. so much because it we can't do this and down imagine here by myself. <laughs> you know imagine for him what it's like when we don't let him do that he's already suffered for it he's yeah. already done it he wants yeah. to take it you know yeah. he, he wants that um i i think that's beautiful i love how you've been able to express your testimony of the savior and thank you so much for being willing to share those personal parts. Yeah. Thank you for asking. Well, this, 
This has been so great. I feel so filled up by talking to you and I know that our listeners will as well. But just one final question before we wrap up. How have you seen and felt God as your partner in motherhood? I see him in everything. I think I've been I've been blessed with that gift of faith and it's something that I you know, I think I I searched for at a very young age um, because of challenges that I had. But because of that I I I see him in everything. I see him in the the faces of my children. I see him in the goodness of my husband. I see I see his creations, the people on the earth and this world that we live in. And I just think that he wants us so badly to know him and to experience his love and to remember who we are, that we are his. I think that that is why motherhood and marriage is divinely instituted because it shows us the dual part of ourselves, the the good, the bad, the ugly, that we are all flawed. Um, But also when we can keep in mind that God is there, um, it shows us that we are also loved. We see that in our children, you know, that they are flawed, but we love them so much. And, um, we get to experience that taste of divinity ourselves firsthand as, as mothers. Yeah. I think going back again to that example of my son, that sixth sense, you know, that I was Mm -hmm. given during that time. I think that it's how heavenly father is that he's present in our lives. He wants to communicate with us and he wants us to communicate with him and, um, and it's because he he loves us and he cares for us deeply and intimately. So, yeah, I think that I think that's how I I see God in motherhood. Thank you so much. If I could say three words to sum all this up, I would say beauty, love and light. Yes. That I think that sums up exactly what we've talked about. And I, I'm so grateful that you would take the time to do this interview. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you for the opportunity. I know you have a million things to do, and I'm grateful you took the time to listen to today's podcast. I hope the episode helped you to know God is your partner in motherhood. For show notes, head over to spirituallymindedmom.com. For more motherhood inspiration, follow along on Instagram, at spirituallymindedmom. And if you enjoyed the podcast, share it with a friend. I would love it if you would leave a review and rate it on iTunes. This helps more moms to find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. Have an amazing day, and remember, you are doing God's work, and you are doing it wonderfully well.